Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Matt, uh, comes from Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, verse 27, through chapter 12, verse 9. This is the word of the Lord. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah, in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahar, Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going towards the Negev. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you here today. And it's good to see those of you who are joining us on live stream. Uh, we do hope that one day all of us can be here in person together to worship our God. It is remarkable when we look around us here today to see brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a miracle. Don't let anyone else tell you differently. The church is a miracle. The church is not a social construct. The church is a place where God has called his people to gather to worship him. As you look around you, you see miracles of God's grace. 
and with his eyes looking and gazing upon you and saying, you are in my favor. For my son, by his blood, by the Holy Spirit, the gift that has been given to you, you now belong to me. We as God's people who have been called out, we too must look at one another with those same eyes. We see each other, yes, as, as individuals. But we see people who God loves. And so our hearts love the people, our brothers and sisters here at CCPC. Rejoice in knowing that one day all of us will be made perfect. Rejoice in knowing that one day when the Lord returns, that we will be as we were meant to be. Rejoice in knowing that one day when we worship God perfectly, we will look at one another singing songs, praising the Lord, and say to one another, this is what we longed for. And so today, as people called out by the Lord, we journey on together, day by day, hour by hour sometimes, but we journey on for the call that God has given us, the graces that God has given us, is steadfast and powerful. Here in our passage today, we begin to see the gospel according to the Abraham and according to the Old Testament. We are going to start looking at how Jesus is portrayed and, and represented in the Old Testament and see the nature of God and how his promises are fulfilled through Jesus and how those promises in Jesus are given to us today. In Genesis chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 12, we're going to study a bit about the call of Abram. Now, Abram is simply Abraham's name before um, God changed his name. Abram means father. Abraham means the father, father of many. Now, there are three things here that we want to look upon. First is the significance of the calling of Abram. Second is the, the nature of the calling of Abram. And then thirdly, we're going to look at, well, the response of the call to Abram. So if we read Genesis chapter 11 and 12, and in fact, if we read all of Genesis, we see that in Genesis chapter 11, we have the creation of the world. And we see that God created Adam and Eve. And in creating them, God created them good. And God created all the creation to be good. But we realize that in Genesis chapter 3, when Satan came in and tempted Adam and Eve, that all of humankind fell 
because they had taken of the fruit. They had disobeyed God's command. And from that point on in Genesis chapter 3, the question of all the history was simply, can humankind and God's relationship be restored? Can the attended relationship between God and humanity be reconciled so that the relationship of love can once again flourish? This is a soap opera on the grandest scale. From Genesis chapter 3 all the way through Genesis chapter 11, we see God's people trying to obey the Lord. And we expect as we read Genesis chapter 3, 11, that we're going to see some progress. But in fact, if I could say that Genesis chapter 1 through 11 is like season one of, of, a, of, of, a, of, a, of a great drama, Genesis chapter 1 through 11, basically, the whole series is about how humanity failed. It's dystopian. In Genesis chapter 6, the, the, the writer says something like this. He says, listen, the thoughts of all of humanity are always sinful all the time. We see Cain kill Abel, the, the one who was supposed to take the seed of faithfulness. And we see God interjecting by, say, by saying, listen, I will provide another son, Seth. Perhaps the line of Seth can carry on the promises of God. And that was the hope. That somehow through this one person, Seth, and this one lineage, that God could restore his relationship with all of humanity. Here in Genesis chapter 11, verse 27 on through 32, we get the genealogy. And we come to the fact that this genealogy comes down to Terah, the father of Abraham. And there's hope that hopefully through this person, through this seed, humanity could be restored. Now what's interesting here is that Terah was actually with his family on his way to Canaan. He was on his way to Canaan. We know from Acts chapter 7 that the glory of God actually appeared to Abram and probably appeared to this whole family as well. That they were going to Canaan and perhaps, and this is speculation to an extent, perhaps when God had appeared in glory to this clan, to this family, that they knew they were supposed to go towards Canaan and towards the, the promised land. But something happened. They stopped at Haran. They didn't go all the way to Canaan. They stopped where God intended them to go. We also know from, uh, from, from Joshua 24 that the, 
the, that what had happened was when they settled there is that Terah and the family has started to worship idols as well. And something, so something prohibited them from going to Canaan. Something prohibited them from really worshiping the Lord. They had stopped at a point where they were not supposed to stop. They started to worship idols instead of worshiping the true God. And the significance of this is not lost on the reader. If Terah fails, if this clan fails, where will salvation come from? Where will it come from? The significance of God's calling Abram is the fact that God is working to bring about salvation to humanity. God calls Abram when they are in Haran and says, go from your country. You, go yourself, you and your family, go and leave. For through you, my promises of redemption will be fulfilled. So the significance of Abraham or the significance of this man and this family should not be lost upon us. If Genesis chapter 1 through 11 is a season one of redemption, if the story is set up basically that all of humanity has failed, then this is sort of the cliffhanger at the end. God calls Abraham and says, go. And the season ends. The season ends with hope. That somehow through this man, Abraham, that salvation would come. That's the significance of the call of Abraham. Now the nature of the call that God has given us, that God has given Abraham, is very specific. God's call is what we call an effectual calling. In other words, when God calls something to be, it becomes. When God created the heavens and the earth with his words, whatever he says, it becomes. When God calls his people to himself, when God calls each and every one of you to salvation, when you hear, you respond. And your response is to come to the Lord. We call this effectual calling because it has efficacy in the heart of the believer. We believe that every person who has come to know Christ did not come to know Christ simply through their own volition. But they came to know Christ because of the Spirit planted in you. And that you came to him willingly, yes, but knowing that this was not from your natural self. This is different from just the human idea of calling. 
And we, we see that, we understand that. I remember when I was in Japan a long, 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 long time ago, very long time ago. And I was there on missions. And this was during my college days. And we stood outside the subway station. And I had flyers. The flyers said free, Eng uh, not free, but like, like for 100 yen, some English classes. And we were there to share the gospel with people. And so I was calling people to come to this English class, to receive English lessons, and to have some food as well and some fellowship. And I remember handing out at least, at least 200. The subway would stop and, and all, the, all the high school kids would come out in their uniforms. And you're just handing them down, handing them out. But I knew that when I was handing them out, that this wasn't some sort of magical, you know, flyer. I wish it was. I would be a marketing genius if I could do that, right? If I could bottle that. Here's a flyer. Oh, I see it. Wow, I want to come. Here's a flyer. Wow, this is, this is something that my heart desires. But the call of humanity is different. And, my, and what happened is that there was an underpass. I remember walking the underpass and seeing all my flyers on the floor, crumpled, thrown away. And me and my pastor, we just had to clean everything up. But the call of the Lord is not like that. The nature of God's call is when God calls us, we go. And here in this passage, we see that the nature of God calling Abraham is the same. Abraham responds and follows. But the, but the central part of this message about this calling is this. When we are called, what are we called to? Now, we are called to God himself, but there's something even more specific here. God has called you to be a blessing to others. Here, I will bless you that you may bless all the nations. The, the nature of the calling is that God calls us to love others and to become a blessing to the people around us. Abraham was not giving, given riches just to hoard. Abraham was not given power or status just to hoard. But Abraham was given so that he can give. I think many times we, ourselves as God's people, we forget that because even in the light of Christ, this is what happens, this is what we are expected to do. God has given us much so that we can go and give and love others, love others as well. This is the nature of the call. This supernatural change in us allows us to go and serve other people. In our day and age, especially growing up here in the States, and especially growing up as people who have means, and people who have opportunities to, to climb the social ladder. 
that our idea is once we have achieved what we need to achieve, then we can love people. Once we get to where we need to get to, then we can give. But our calling is not to accumulate, just to accumulate. Our duty is to love with the riches that God has already given to us. Abraham was called to share the riches. You are called to share the wealth that God has given to you. Thirdly and lastly, how are we to respond or how does Abraham respond to this calling? It's very simple. Abraham just goes. Abraham just goes. You see, when, when, when Jesus calls you, when God calls you, what happens is that you surrender your will or you surrender your, your volition to the Lord. Wherever the Lord tells you to go, you just follow. And Abraham's faith was amazing because Abraham did not even receive what he was promised. He didn't even get to see what he was promised. He didn't get to see the promised land in its fullness. He didn't get to see all of his descendants in its fullness. But Abraham simply went. There is this huge chasm from Abraham from what was promised to what was fulfilled. But for Abraham, what was sufficient was simply knowing that God had called him. Leave, okay, I'll go. Go to Egypt, okay, I'll go. Go take your son and go to the mountain. Why? I'll tell you later, Abraham, just go. Abraham was a man who understood that you just go. God's people in Christ, our faith rests on just going and doing what God wants us to do. What I love about Genesis and the, the story of the patriarchs, especially Abraham, right, Isaac, and Jacob, is that they're some of the most colorful stories in all the Bible. Next to the stories of Jesus, these are some of the most colorful and delightful stories and characters you'll ever see. And why they're so delightful and, and why they're so, they resonate so much with us is because we see their humanity, and, but we also see God working in them. Why is that? That's simple. Abraham simply obeyed God. And as Abraham obeyed God, these stories of God working in him just came like a fountain. You see God working in him. The stories in the gospel, well, we, we see Jesus doing the work of the Lord. 
And so we have stories that are filled of, of Jesus' love. We as God's people, we need to have stories. We need to have stories. Not of how long you were, you know, online or how many movies you watched on Netflix or, or how many games that you played or how much money that you made. But we need to have stories. And these stories occur when we are in God's will and going and just loving people. Stories of, of people coming to know Christ through us. Stories of just sharing Jesus and being, you know, being uncomfortable. Stories of suffering. Stories of betrayal, perhaps. But stories of our interaction with customers. Stories of interactions with our neighbors. Stories of our love for brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, if our lives are anything like Abraham's or even, I dare say, Jesus or, or Paul's, there will be good stuff and there will be challenging stuff. But God will always be in it. It's the stories that we have of loving people and being loved. That is the response that the Lord desires from us when he has called us to himself. Brothers and sisters, we know that this gospel that was given to Abraham was a forward-looking gospel. Abraham did not see Jesus yet. Abraham is only season two. But Abraham was looking forward to that time when the Savior would come. He knew that it would be through his seed that the Savior would be born. And he rested his faith on what God would do in the future to be faithful today. Jesus came. Jesus came and brought salvation. Jesus came and did the will of God. Jesus came, and when God said, go, Jesus went. When God said, go to the cross, Jesus went to the cross. When the story of redemption was at a crossroads, Jesus came and said, I will bring the hammer and I will finish this. And he did. Now you and I are privileged living in Jesus. We can look behind us and we can look in front of us. We can look behind us because we see God's faithfulness from the time of Abraham through the time of Christ, through the time of Paul, through the time of all the saints who were before us. And we can say with certainty as we look at our history, Jesus is alive. God is working. We are part of this history. 
But we can also say, if God has been faithful thus far, surely God will be faithful to the very, very end. He'll be faithful to you, and he'll be faithful to himself. Jesus will return one day, and Jesus himself and his kingdom will be present for all to see. I urge you, brothers and sisters, I do not know, you do not know fully what your lot here is on earth. I, I, I can't tell you. I wish I could. I wish I could tell you that you're going to live this wonderful life. I, I, I can't tell you that. I wish I could tell you that your suffering is going to be minimal according to world standards. I, I, can't, I can't tell you that. I can't tell you that you'll see all the promises of God fulfilled in your life here in this lifetime. I wish I could tell you that. but I can tell you this. God has called you. God has called you to himself. You belong to him and his story. And one day, that day when he returns, all of us together will be singing in glory with him. And all the work, all the suffering, and all the joy that he's given us in this life will make sense to us. Praise be to the Lord for being the author of our lives and the author of history. Know that each and every one of us is called to play our part, to love him and to love others. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy above all. There truly is no one like you. Lord, we confess that we get caught in our own little history and forget the bigger picture of what you are doing in history, Lord God. Father, we know that one day we will be forgotten here on this earth, all of us. One day, all of our works and achievements will disappear. But Lord, we know as your people of your kingdom, that the works of love that you have given to us will never fade away. For Lord, our longing to love you, to be seen by you, our longing to have fellowship with you, our longing to have brothers and sisters made perfect in you, well, we'll see that one day. Everything else will pass away. And so, Lord, whatever our lot may be on this earth, let us, like Abraham, like Jesus, like Paul, 
like all the saints before us, Lord. Let us simply walk faithfully with you. For you and you alone remember our deeds. You and you alone will remember us. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.